Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Brian, and today is Monday, December 4th, 2023, and this is episode 581 of the Lots Project podcast, where we're defining norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled Let's Talk Farmers Markets, and I will be talking about our experiences vending at several farmers markets in Minnesota, and I guess one one that we didn't vend at, but uh, we considered it, and there was... Uh, there's a nice little story behind that, but first let's grab a cup of coffee, catch up with what's going on in the live chat, see how everyone's weekend was. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? Good morning, Pip. Cooking breakfast and scrolling. Rachel Jameson, thanks for swinging in and waking up with us. Hunter, Hunter, good morning. Uh, Jim and, and Haas, how are we doing today? Thanks for stopping in. Hunter says, are we doing 25,000? 25,000 on Friday. 25,000 Satoshis on Friday, and uh, we'll need 25 people in to uh, to bump that. So it'll be a, uh, I think it'll be a tall order since we we needed to get up to what was uh, 300 and 340 some before we uh, we got to 25. So we will see. We will see. <laughs> Hunter says that's kind of sad versus what we did. Huh, been a while since uh, since we've had glitches out like that. Interesting, interesting. Um, I, as the weeks, uh, the amount of I was like, oh man, once we win this, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. So, Hunter says ten dollars versus one hundred and twenty five. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think yesterday when Bitcoin popped and hit uh, forty one. And bounced off forty one. Rachel act, asked. <laughs> Rachel asked in the Telegram chat what that giveaway was worth. I think it was pu- uh, pushing one thirty nine, one forty, something like that at that point. And then I woke up this morning to a beautiful notification that said Bitcoin um, tested forty two. Bitcoin tested forty two thousand over the week, over the night time, uh, over the night time, overnight, and uh, then popped back down, came down, and uh, right now, as I refresh, sitting uh, forty one and a half thousand. That's not bad, not bad. Working its way up. Um, scrambling was hoping for a forty thousand Christmas, and I think uh, I think we'll be there. I think forty isn't um, forty isn't a tall order for Christmas now. I think we're uh, we pushed through it. It'll sit. It might. It'll probably drop back down below. But I think it's a it's a good it's a good floor at this point. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see. Just uh, zoom out and look at the graph for the last year, uh, the last six months, the last year, and the last five years, and see um, see what. It looks like. See what it's looked like. <laughs> oh, Rachel says waking up. She's been doing paperwork since four. Yeah. Well, I mean, the message said waking up. The message said waking up. So anyway, anyway, let's see what uh, what we got on the list today. What's in the cup? Got uh, a light Ethiopian that I opened up yesterday, and it's really good. It is really, really good. I... Uh, I enjoyed a, a, a French press yesterday and then was uh, excited to get up this morning and, and pour that in. It's super light, super clean and crisp. And it's uh, it's one of the, the better ones I get in the in the shipment when he does that super light Ethiopian. So that's good. Uh, next on my list was Bitcoin price. We kind of already talked about that, but it was it was fun to watch that this weekend. Um, it I think it was Friday. Was it Friday it tested 40? Um, or maybe it was Friday it tested 39. Then over the weekend it was 40. And then bam, bam, 41, 42. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. Let's uh, let's roll that up. We mentioned on Friday, the, or I mentioned Friday, that um, they've been pushing back the ETF approval. The SEC has been pushing back the, the spot ETF Bitcoin approval. Um, 
the spot Bitcoin ETF approval. And uh, I think when it happens, we're, I think we've seen the last of 20,000 Bitcoin even at this point. But as soon as, uh, as soon as they approve that, I, I, uh, I can't see, I can't see it falling down again that much at least. So that's not investment advice. That's, um, um, Definitely not investment advice, but uh, yeah, it, it, it looks good. Hunter says he wonders if it has to do with the silver and gold spot articles. I didn't see anything about that. I, I really kind of checked out this weekend, uh, had a bunch of stuff to do and and just kind of relax and decompress from uh, rough end of the week last week. So um, what, did, uh, what came out about spot ETF and um, gold? Hunter, if you don't mind uh, sharing in the in the comments there, um, Corey and I did. I guess we did get some stuff accomplished this weekend. Oh, Hunter says basically there's isn't enough silver for everyone. Oh, that's been on the horizon for quite a while. I um, that has been a growing concern that the the mining rate of silver was. Um, not significant enough for the consumption of silver and not the not the silver stackers but the um it um not the silver stackers but the the components the the industrial uses for silver are outpacing the the extraction of new silver from the ground and at at some points it's going to cross and that's uh yeah that's probably what you were talking about there uh <laughs> Rachel says that uh her puppies must be talking to my puppies and because they're wrestling under her feet. Yeah, they they uh they just like to lay under my feet and wrestle in the back room, but uh yeah, I had a I had a a moment this weekend uh with the dogs for sure. Uh, just 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 lost it. I've just been um <laughs> <laughs> just been uh, it's been a lot and when they lay underneath my seat i um i got these long ass legs and when i gotta climb up under them and my hips get all sore and stuff i just at some points i i can't take it anymore and i lose my shit and then i get better then i get better the dogs will get a little all weird for a few days and then and then we'll be better we'll be better but i kicked them out i kicked them out no uh no under the desk laying down for for the for the next couple of days so i can uh, i can feel better in my hip joints but anyway Corey and i uh got some stuff taken care of this weekend we um got our christmas shopping pretty much done yeah, we got what this a one present one gift to buy left uh but we got the 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 super important stuff the the nieces and or the niece i guess it's niece and nephews uh can't do uh two nieces but have uh what was this three and Two and four and seven? Close enough. <laughs> well, we went back with ages. So, you know, when you buy a, a gift for a two-year-old that has a birthday uh, right after Christmas, do you buy it for the age they are at Christmas or the age they are hopefully going to be using it for a few months after Christmas? I guess it's one year, but whatever. Uh, so I get all mixed up with ages. That's that's not a surprise since I can never remember like how many years Corey and I have been together. I don't even know how old I am myself, so not knowing how old someone else is is not a is not a shock. But we did our uh, we did our Christmas shopping for our nieces niece and nephews. Um, Corey's side, we have two young boys, and um, my sister has twins, and they uh, they got some cool stuff. They got some cool stuff. The, the parents are always impressed by the stuff that we get, and we can't really figure it out. Uh, we talk about it, try to figure out why, how we come up with the cool gifts, since we don't have uh, have an interest in young children's toys at the moment, uh, or have any reason to pay attention to it. We don't have TV or commercials. We don't know anything. Um and maybe that is why we get the good stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're not jaded by all the stuff they're pushing and we just get what looks fun and, and interesting instead of uh, what they want to push the new toy of the season. So I don't know. We got a bunch of educational gifts. Uh, we really like those. Uh, was it Montessori school? Mon Montessori school. Uh, 
educational toys for for the younger ones the puzzles and um dual purpose where it's fun to play with but you're actually learning stuff and then the uh the older twins have gotten more uh more where they have a christmas list they have um have specific things that they're they're interested in so we got to kind of look at some cool stuff and uh, yeah, hopefully they like all the stuff like to keep like to keep that uh like to keep that status as the the cool aunt and uncle that that buy the fun stuff so that um turbo man what's turbo man <laughs> i don't even know what that is like jingle bells with arnold Schwarzenegger or something <laughs> jingle bells with arnold oh is that is that um is that from a movie james <laughs> turbo man oh man um since it all came rushing back. <laughs> oh yeah, Pip says an old movie. Okay, Jingle All the Way. All Is that right. what it was? Yeah. No, they didn't say it. I got it. <laughs> nice. James says Tingle All the Way. <laughs> that was the that was the offshoot that was in the adult uh, movie store. James was Tingle All the Way instead of Jingle. Oh man. Uh so we got that done. Corey and I uh, uh sat down and pounded that out um one of the evenings and um Furbies back in the 90s. Oh man, yeah, Furbies, Cabbage Batch Kids in the 80s. Yeah, all of the stuff, all of the things and stuff. Oh man. Uh so we got that done, we got that taken care of. <laughs> Jim's still waiting for his stretch Armstrong. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. Um, then Corey and I, Corey and I have had enough with our, um, our one last thing that we've, we failed to, I guess it's not the one last thing, but one of the things we failed to master as we've moved into the camper, as we've been traveling around is our diet, nutrition, and uh, a weight. <laughs> and we finally, Finally gave in and decided we were going to buy a bathroom scale. Uh, we got that and and gingerly stepped on it and were not impressed, either of us. Um, actually, I thought mine was going to be worse than it was. and uh, But yeah, decided not to wait till, um, decided not to wait until New Year's or anything like that. We're just going to, we're going to change gears now and hopefully get a little healthier and, um, drop some weight. So I got about 50 pounds to lose. I would say, um, I shouldn't say that target goal, 50 pounds. And if I, if I lost 50 pounds, I would be probably at, uh, at one of the best weights of my life. I think, I think when we were running, I was probably 20 pounds under that mm, nah, 15. Yeah, it's a it's an aggressive goal, and at uh, at forty five, am I forty five, forty six? How old am I? No, oh, I'm, what in February? Yeah. See, this is where I get confused. This is this is where I get confused. I say I'm forty five, right? I look at her just for confirmation. She's like, uh, uh, you're, uh, uh, uh. and uh, and then I do the math in my head, and I'm like, wait, what year is it? <laughs> Oh, Rachel says the memories, cabbage patch dolls. Yeah. Anyway, so we got our, we have our, our bathroom scale. We have our starting points and uh, we're going to change up diet and we're just going to kind of do it um, and figure it out. And, and we're going to work on it together and try to uh, figure this out since it's been about, you know, a year or more since, since we've decided to just go off the deep end with food and not really, not really care about it. And it was, it used to be one of the most important things um, in our life. And it, it was really easy because it was all there on the farm. Um, fresh greens inside, meat in the freezer. So it got it got uh, difficult to source decent and good food. It got difficult to keep it fresh uh, since we are reliant on the store for anything um, that we can't keep in the fridge. Yeah. And so we'll see. We'll see. We'll uh, I'll keep you updated on that, I'm sure. Uh, maybe tie tie my stuff into uh, into the show a little bit. Who knows? Get some motivation and some accountability. But 
We will see. We will see. And uh, one last thing on my list here before we move on to the topic today is, uh, man, I listed the the rabbit foot keychains that I found. Uh, if you listen to the show prior, you've uh, you probably heard the story of fi- us finding a bunch of uh, mystery rabbit foot keychains that we had had packed away, survived several purges of our stuff. And randomly, while we were in Texas last winter, Corey pulls them out and was like, hey, look at this. Or maybe it was the spring when we were purging again. I don't remember how long it's been since I've had them, but finally got them listed up on Etsy. Um, um, finally got them up on Etsy. And they're selling. They're selling. I have eight. Uh, I think we started with 18. And then I was going to save them for SRF. They didn't, uh, I didn't sell much of any at SRF. And so I came back. I put them on Etsy where we did very well with them before. And uh, six are gone, guys. So if you're interested in getting one, uh, these are super high quality. Corey was was very, very good at making these and um, and doing a good job with it. She really dialed it in after uh, after perfecting how to do it. And so, yeah, if you want one, let me know. Reach out directly. Don't uh, don't pop through Etsy and get it. But uh, if you do, if you're curious what we got going on on Etsy still, uh, you can check that out. There's a link in the video description and the audio description. Um, I've started doing print-on-demand mugs, T-shirts, um, things like that over on Etsy. Just uh, just trying some things out, uh, demoing some ideas that I've I've seen videos, and um, we'll see. We'll see what goes on with that. But um, pumping up mugs, I have those keychains listed as uh, as a physical product that we would ship out, and um, yeah. Check it out. Links in the video description. Link is in the video description. Rewilder Life says, I'm with you. I want to gain muscle too, though. Yeah, we're um, that's the other side of the the coin that I'm looking into is um, I'm really intrigued by getting back into body weight stuff. Um, body weight exercises, calisthenics type things since we can't really can't really have a, a full gym with us or it doesn't really even make sense to carry weights um really gonna try to focus on on body weight and uh and that type of stuff for the exercise part of it and we walk the dogs like we walk the dogs that that uh, definitely could increase um especially with uh, as we hit the turning point of the short days and we start getting longer days and we can spend more time outside in the evening with them. But right now we are in a rush and we don't like to walk on this dark road in the dark. So it is what it is. Pip says, excuse me while I go hook up my Commodore 64. Uh, how about that Atari 2600? Do you, you got that? We could play, uh, we could play some Pitfall Harry. James says he wants to be a 22-year-old Marine again. I mean, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I want to be a I want to be a 46-year-old person that's in shape and uh, people look at him and go, "Holy shit, uh, he's 46 because he didn't even know it." <laughs> oh wait, I already do that. Uh, Hunter says he still has his 2600. Nice. Do you have the Do you have the joysticks and the um, arcade paddle? The arcade paddle that was, I think it was for Pong and uh, tennis and some games like that. It was just the, the dial and the button. <coughs> I remember. My favorite game was Pitfall Harry, though. That one that one will stick in my head for sure. For sure. Um, let's uh, let's move on to the, the topic today. I just, uh, James says he was ripped back then. I'm, I'm planning on being ripped, um, ripped in, in, a, in about a year or less. And um, if, if not physically, just um, just chemically. <laughs> uh, Pip says he still has the OG Nintendo somewhere. Yeah, I went through. We're all in that age group. Um, if you're anywhere with me, that you, we've kind of went through that whole progression. Like, was old enough to get that Atari, um, but still young enough to progress through the Atari, the the regular Nintendo. The Super Nintendo, the Ultimate Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, the, the the Nintendo Cube, man, they were coming out with a new one every year to two years for a while there, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun progression to watch along with uh, the computer side of it and everything. So, yeah, 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 yeah. 
All right, let's uh, let's get into farmers markets, guys. I just uh, I, I threw the topic on there. It had been sitting on my topic list for a while, and I've I've touched on it before. I've touched on it uh, on a few other shows. We had a um, oh my god, Pip. <laughs> Pip just uh, ch Pip just brought up one of my favorite video game memories ever. Um, I can still remember. I can still remember playing it, it the game itself, and then the cheat code um, to go into the what he talked about. But Pip says these kids will never know the paintball mod for GoldenEye 007 game. So that must have been what was that? Was that the Super Nintendo that had the four plugs in the front? Um, I think it was Super Nintendo had the really interesting uh, interesting controller. That was, um, that was my, that was, my, yeah, that in college, that was, that was our game. We, we played hours and hours and hours upon that. Um, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And Jim, Jim talks about left, left, right, up, down, up, down, down. Yeah. Contra, Contra, get unlimited lives and Contra on the, on the Nintendo. So. I mean, I suppose we could do old school video game uh, topics daily sometimes around here. Uh, we could do that, but anyway, let's let's roll on to um, let's roll, let's roll on to farmers markets. Um, we we frequented farmers markets. I guess we went uh, we went and bought stuff at farmers markets when we when we didn't have it. But the purpose of this uh, this conversation is. Um, is participating in them as a vendor. Corey and I uh, went through many, uh, I don't want to call them false starts, but we we thought about many products that we wanted to sell. Uh, <laughs> Pip says, so farmer's markets. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we went through many products that we, we, we wanted to sell. Uh, that we we thought would sell very well. Uh, but as you started looking into it in Minnesota, there were tons of regulations and rules, just like everything um, with food related, with meat related. Um, it had to be processed at a state processor. We wanted to process ours on our own. Um, we searched and searched and searched and finally found the, the most our most logical product to take to the farmer's market with the least amount of, um, with the least amount of regulations, the least amount of um, chance of getting in any trouble, uh, violating any rules or talking or having to talk to people that, uh, that uh, didn't like what we were doing, uh, I guess, uh, government official wise. Um, and so we ended up, we ended up figuring out that we could sell microgreens at the farmer's market. We, I don't know if we thought about it when we first made the first couple of false starts at microgreens, but um, once we had started growing them in the, the hydroponic setup in the kitchen and decided to grow them uh, on a bigger scale, that was where we were going to get rid of them. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, farmer's markets. <laughs> We, um, we, <laughs> all right, when we moved to our town, we moved to a small town of, um, like 800 people. We lived in the township outside the town. The town had a farmer's market when we first got there or was it closed? I can remember when the first year we got hit just closed. Just closed. It had just closed. We were excited that there was a farmer's market in town. Um, we were new homesteaders. We were we were looking for any option to, to sell our product. So we got the farm up going a little bit. We, we started meeting some local people. We, we met, um, we met a, a woman that ran the farmer's market in town, was successful with it. She had opened a, a small farm restaurant in town where she got her produce, her produce and meat from local farmers. And, um, we were excited to get to know her, the farmer's market, it, uh, it shut down for a couple of years and then they were starting to revive it. I, I think it had gone a year before we got into contact with anybody, 
But we were excited because they were doing it on Fridays. Uh, we were on a major north-south thoroughfare uh, to to the up north cabins. If you've ever been to Minnesota, you ever heard about Minnesota, you hear people say going up north. Basically, they leave the cities in mass exodus on the weekends. They drive north to cabins up in northern Minnesota and then spend the weekend and drive home. Well, one of the main routes to get up north was uh, right past our house, right through the town that we lived in. And so we thought that that was just a golden opportunity for um, for the farmer's market. Like this is this is this is traffic coming right to you. They're on their way to go away for the weekend, um, make it advantageous for them to stop and, and, and buy products from your vendors for the weekend. And then we also had the idea, why not have one on Sunday when they're on their way home? So we thought that this was a perfect opportunity. They started putting the farmer's market back together in town. Um, the people that were running it, well, they really weren't the best at, at doing what they were doing. Um, man, they, they kept pressuring us. We, I mean, this was in like May. Uh, if you don't know in Minnesota, it takes a little while to get the spring going, to get products going in the ground. When they called us at, in May and said, Hey, are you going to come and vend at the, at the farmer's market? We need people there to, uh, to have vendors. I'm like, I don't have anything to sell. At this point, we were going to be selling vegetables out of the garden. And, and I don't even know if we had anything in the ground yet. Um, I knew this was kind of, um, as we interacted with them, uh, it didn't feel right. We uh, kind of pushed it off and it, it fell apart. He ended up um, leaving. Uh, the gentleman that was running it ended up uh, leaving. And there was a, a a meetup. Was it that season that we had that big meeting? Yeah. <laughs> he just looks. <laughs> so uh, they had a meeting. See what was going to go on with the, the farmer's market going forward. And we went, we were interested. We were interested in being vendors. Um, the people that had run it prior were there, some of the local people that were vendors, and then some local citizens that wanted to um, to buy things, buy things. And, um, and so we went to the meeting. It was decent. It was a decent conversation. But in the end, it appeared that they wanted uh, Corey and I to run it, <laughs> run the farmer's market. Uh, we ran as fast as we could away from that. We not only had never been a vendor in a farmer's market, we had never, uh, I mean, we had been to them. Uh, we had rarely, or we had barely started farming in general. Um, and they were, were asking us to run this. And so we felt that that wasn't a very wise decision on their part. And we weren't sure if we wanted to do anything um, with that anyway. So that was, uh, that was our town, uh, man, they had a golden opportunity. They couldn't get their shit together, uh, to do a fantastic farmer's market there. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know, maybe they got it together now, but, uh, as of when we left, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't going, uh, Haas asks, Haas asks question, did we carry liability insurance? If not, do you recommend it? Um, we, we went with, um, umbrella policy for our farm. Um, we had a, a pretty decent umbrella policy that kind of that uh, we were comfortable with. And then when we went and were at the farmer's market, the products we were we were selling, I didn't really feel that we needed extra um, liability insurance beyond that. I think um, I think it's going to depend on the farmer's market. I'm going to get down to uh, rules that they have and things like that. that you're going to want to check into some farmer's markets will require you to have a minimum amount of reliability insurance to even participate. We were more rural to where the rules were less stringent. Um, and we didn't at least have to, uh, we didn't have to have it. Uh, and we, I think we would have been covered, um, if we wanted to, to participate in one where we had to provide insurance, I think the umbrella policy would have been significant enough. Rewilder life says ours require insurance. Yeah. I know ones that we looked at in the, in the twin cities. Then we were, we were unhappy with the, the sales amount it, where we were at. Um, I started looking at other markets and they did require that. So I think it's a, it's a case by case, a case by case, um, 
<laughs> a case by case basis whether you're going to want insurance or not. Um, but anyway, after the whole debacle in our town, we 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 started growing microgreens. We decided we wanted to make a go of it at the farmers markets, and the intention my intention at least wasn't necessarily to sell all our microgreens through the farmer's market. I mean, obviously we wanted to sell out when we were there so we didn't lose product, but my goal was to find on-farm customers from the farmer's markets, whether that be local chefs that were shopping there or uh, just regular customers where we talked to them, we brought the product that that allowed us to deal with the least amount of regulations and then talked to the people that were there since they were relatively local. That was another issue of where we were was how localized the, the farmers markets we could participate in were. Uh, I just told you that our town didn't have one. Uh, the next closest one was, what was aisle 50? Huh? Yeah, 20 minutes away um was 20 minutes away and then we also participated in one that was 25 minutes away and then a couple that were an hour or more um so local ish but the main intention was to bring the easiest product to market be at the markets talk to the customers let them know that we have other products for sale at the farm that we didn't go through the jump through the hoops to bring them um it worked okay. It worked okay. Uh, but yeah, when we had that product, when we had that product that made sense to uh, to jump through the hoops, which we really didn't have any with the, the fresh greens because we didn't process them. That was the big linchpin in, in uh, farmer's markets in Minnesota was if you process the product, then it became regula regulatable. Regulatable? Is that a, is that a word? Um, but anyway... Anyway, um, we so we started searching. We started searching for markets to get into. We started searching in the middle of the season. Malacca, we started in the middle of the season, didn't we? Or did that that one ended up starting in the beginning? I don't know. We didn't do a full season. Whatever it was. We didn't do a full season. That was true. Uh, we found a market that was uh, south of us. They were just getting started. It was. Um, a run by someone that I don't think necessarily wanted a farmer's market. They wanted a craft fair. Um, that's what it ended up turning out to be anyway. So that is one piece of advice that I, I, I try to give people when they're, they're looking, when they're trying to decide, when they're trying to figure out what markets they want to go to, where they're going to participate in and look at the other vendors that are there. Um, as far as as far as taking part in a new market, if you are new at this and you're going to be taking part in a new market, um, I would I would caution against that. I would caution against that. The leadership of the market, and I'm not saying well long well established long running markets are uh, a sure thing, but they are still open for a reason. Um, they're still there for a reason. So really look into it when you're you're looking to go out and 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 find a spot at a market. Look at um, the the longevity of it. Look at the other vendors that are there. Look at the other products are there. Do you fit in? Um, is it all woodworking products and you're selling um, you're selling beef? Maybe you fit in. Maybe not. Uh, but if you uh, where I was getting at that was little little comments from from customers stick in my head. Um, little specific comments from customers stick in my head. When I was at the the farmers market, the new one that they were trying to establish, that I said that was more like a craft fair than a farmers market. Um, I say that not as a biased vendor, but with information from a customer. I had a regular customer that would come there. We we went um, for a few months in a row. We I established a a, a repeat um, <laughs> a repeat customer that would come every week and buy microgreens from me. She loved them. Um, she wanted to see us do well. And I, I I had a conversation with her one day, and she hadn't been around for a couple of weeks, and she showed up. 
And I was just inquiring how she was. You know, you, you, you remember the customers that keep coming back. And we were talking and she says, you know, I don't live near here. I work over, uh, I work around the corner. She says, we have a fantastic farmer's market in my town, but I also want to support, to support the local people here. I was like, oh, that's really cool. So you stop after work. She's like, yes. <coughs> She's like, I know some people that vend and uh, I really like your products. And I, and I look around and as far as fresh food, we were the only really vegetables there most of the time. Uh, if somebody had a, a decent harvest, there was another vendor that sold vegetables. But the majority of the stuff was woodworking and crafts and things like that. And she said to me, you know, I can only buy so many pairs of earrings. I can only buy so many cute wall signs. She wanted to support her local farmer's market, but there was nothing perishable to buy. Like perishable, not at the market, but um, something that she's got to come back and get more of. Uh, food, <laughs> food in general. She was looking for that. She was disappointed that she couldn't support her local vendors. So if that person is, is going through the extra motions that she wants to support it enough that she keeps coming back, even though she's frustrated, how many people aren't coming because all there is is a pair of earrings or all there is is a wooden sign where they can't get the farmer's market expectations of vegetables and meat and things like that so if you're scoping out a market to be in make sure you're going to have traffic drawn to your product there's nothing worse than going and paying a vendor booth fee driving to the market setting up your product uh or setting up your booth having to practice package your product before you go sitting there for four hours six hours eight hours whatever the market length is and no one walks by we were severely disappointed when we were at this particular farmer's market. We were, um, okay, so there was two two things that really struck us while we were there. Corey and I went set up every Thursday. Um, we had beautiful brand, uh, brand, freshly harvested microgreens. We harvested them the night before. They were super green. We gave out samples. People tried samples. They were fantastic. The line of people that would walk straight past us and go buy cookies at the Amish, uh, the Amish bread and pie store uh, around the or the next booth over was infathomable. If there were if there were ten customers that walked in, ten customers walked past right past us, didn't give us the time of day, and walked right to buy cookies and bread. That was one. The other thing we noticed was we set up um, the parking lot that the the um, farmer's market was in bordered the parking lot for a Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen drive through. I don't know if everybody knows what Dairy Queen is, but basically a, a fast food ice cream place that has burgers, fries and, and fried shit. Um, we on occasion our booth was set up literally back to back with the drive-thru and every single time we were at this farmer's market at the dinner time the line for dairy queen would be out the road like it wasn't a small drive-thru like that would get backed up really easy this was a super long dozen 15 cars in the in the line out through the drive-through, all around the building, and out into the street, usually. Um, <laughs> and so we would sit there and, and just shake our head that this was what the community wanted. I can't fight that. Like, that, I, I can't change that by myself. Uh, so we, we evaluated that market over a few months and decided not to go back to it. It wasn't worth our time. Um, a, because it was, it was time involved to go do it. It was gas to get there, but B I was selling, I was, I was paying a market fee and that's something you have to look into when you're going to go, going to go um, start selling at a farmer's market. If you're trying to make that decision um, and you've never done it before, 
really think about the costs involved in, in selling your stuff and how many of your products are you going to have to sell to even break even? MSU Rifle says ice cream versus microgreens. Yeah, I mean, I get you. I get you. I understand. But there was a whole farmer's market full of, I guess it was us and uh, some bread. <laughs> it, was a, it was a shitty spot to be in, for sure. Um, Heath Bar Blizzards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. I've eaten my share of Dairy Queen. Don't worry. Um, if you're sitting there wondering if you want to go to a farmer's market, that you really need to to weigh in all of the costs. Um, you have your product. You're, you're selling your product, probably, hopefully. Uh, you know how much it costs you to make the product. You know how much you're going to sell it for. So you know how much you're going to make off per product. Now you got to add in all sorts of other stuff. Uh, some of the markets that we participated in had an annual fee. Uh, some had a table fee per week and some had both. Uh, you have to count account for that. If you got to pay 50 bucks a week, I think ours were, are, were pretty cheap and reasonable compared to other people I've talked to in, uh, in larger markets, in larger cities. Which makes sense because the the customer flow um, was significantly different, but you have to you have to account for your table fee or any annual fees you're going to have to uh, have to be there. Uh, like somebody mentioned earlier, if you're going to have to uh, have insurance and you don't need it otherwise for whatever reason, uh, you're going to have to add that in. You're going to have to add in your time. Time is huge. We didn't we didn't really go through the motions of calculating in all the time uh, until after the fact when we realized that we were spending hours the night before getting ready um, all the time it took to drive there sitting there and then all the time it took to come home but we also failed to uh to remember that once you had the product packaged our product specifically had a had a, a it had a long shelf life, but it didn't have a long shelf life to sell. It had a long shelf life after someone bought it. Our microgreens we targeted being uh, good for a week, so we would harvest them. So farmers market on Thursday, we would harvest them on Wednesday night. We wanted them to be good in the fridge a minimum until the next week, where you could come back and get more. And usually they were good probably 10 days, 14 days. Uh, we were in that wheelhouse. But what did happen was we did farmer's markets Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And by Saturday, if we hadn't sold everything, they were a loss. We weren't getting money for those. We were consuming them ourselves. We were giving them to the animals. But... The packaging was done. The uh, the the microgreens weren't going to be resellable again. And uh, yeah, uh, Pip says East Orlando Farmer Market had thirty five dollars for a Sunday spot. Last I checked, that's not bad. I wouldn't think uh, East Orlando. I mean, you probably get a, a a decent flow of people. And we were in the ten dollars, five and ten, five and ten. Um, and it was probably too high. It was probably too high. Rewilder Life says time. Yeah. So the time. You don't ever think about all the time. I don't think about all the time myself. All the time as in the time you take care of the product. Take care of it. Grow it. Um, you have your costs as far as physical costs, electricity or uh, seeds or packaging. And you forget all the little time that you put into it. I always do. Um, and then when we started calculating out uh, costs of the market, I would say, oh, well, it's an hour there, an hour back. And, and totally space sometimes on the time it was sitting there at the market for four hours where I could have been doing something else. Pip says time is not on our side. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Gingerbread says I couldn't make the ex understand her and the kids were spending all weekend at a craft show to not even break even. That's what it was. 
So earlier I said my intention with the farmer's market was to sell my other product from the farm. Microgreens weren't my uh, weren't my end goal, not at least weren't my end goal at the farmer's market. <laughs> I didn't I couldn't bring enough to make uh, like a full time income. My my goal was to cover my time, my cost of my microgreens, my table fee. All of that was to cover that and secure customers that came to me then that bought the chicken, that bought turkey, that bought rabbit, um, bought microgreens and other vegetables, but not where I was having to pay a table fee and gas and all of that to go to uh, to sell it. Um, Gingerbread says time is the only thing you can't make more of. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, so... So really think about your costs. If you're thinking about going, um, look at the bylaws, look at the regulations for your farmer's market. Um, some of them are pretty screwy. Some of them are pretty screwy. Some of them make sense. Some of them make sense, but aren't going to fit for your model. Um, and things that things I'm talking about, like uh, time, you got to be there to set up. You have to be there by X amount of time. If you're not there by then, you don't get to participate you might not be able to break down until the end of the end of the, the market. So if you bring a little bit of product and you sell out, you're going to sit there. Uh, you're not making any money. Hopefully you brought enough product to cover your whole time you were there. And then you can just talk to people the rest of the time. Uh, but there's a lot of that. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other rules that they had. Um, like people get very clicky. Is that the word? clicky. <laughs> Corey just shakes her head. Um, and this goes back into like uh, established markets, established markets um, being um, established markets being better to go to can come with the caveat of the vendors that have been there for a long time get very clicky. Um, and if you don't know how to interact with them and understand that you're the new guy, uh, you can really ruffle some feathers. You can cause some pain. Um, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. We did meet a, a ton of cool people. Uh, Corey and I are personable people that, that go along to get along. So we, I don't think we had many problems, at least not to our face, which whatever, if, if people want to talk behind your back, then whatever. But uh, we had very pleasurable experiences. We met some really cool people, but we saw the ugly side of it because we were also those confidants that uh, that people talk to about other people. <laughs> it, it's a it's an interesting thing. It's a very high school esque in the small town um, in the small town market. So it wasn't uh, necessarily our our favorite thing to deal with it uh, it was it was on the negative side of the on the negative side of things um pip says so the microgreens being sold at the farmers market was a fishing lure to get people to come buy more stuff at the farm uh, yeah um more of an introduction of uh, of what we had on the farm it was advertising it was advertising. Yeah, fishing lure, I guess. Uh, we couldn't sell the stuff there. Or we could. We could. We weren't going to. We weren't going to add on, and we're talking about costs. We were going to have to add on a processor, paying a processor, which increased the price of our, our product, our chicken or a rabbit, to bring it to market. It also required us to invest in uh, equipment as far as freezers, uh, or refrigerators that we we're going to have to bring with us. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it just didn't make it make sense. So finding that, that lowest regulations, that lowest barrier to entry product um, and going, yeah, I mean, it, in essence, in really, in reality, if you didn't mind, if, if that was the cheapest advertising you could do, um, you could have probably went with nothing to sell. Actually, most of the markets had rules upon what you could sell. Uh, they wouldn't let you sell um, like uh, MLM stuff. 
You couldn't set up with like a t-shirt shop where you're going and buying bulk t-shirts and bringing them. Uh, it had to be something that you produced yourself. But if you had that that product that was a, a low cost, low barrier to entry, and all you had to pay was your table fee and your time to do some advertising, it might have been worth it. It might have been worth it. It really wasn't for us in the end. Um, and COVID really could have had a lot to do with it. Uh, the majority of our market time that we had was during COVID. And we would have thought, we thought that um, that would drive people to the outside markets more. Nah, nah, not necessarily. Everybody stayed home. Everybody stayed home. Uh, <laughs> Rewilder Life says, uh, theirs is really clicky and has gotten really nasty. Um, yeah, there was some not nice things, like for no reason whatsoever, I thought. Um, What's that? Oh, <laughs> I thought Corey was like, yeah, right. <laughs> we um, we did some markets together. We did some markets separate, Corey and I. Uh, and um, yeah, it was an interesting mix of people, for sure, for sure. And it really was market to market to market. Um, I advise if you're thinking about going to a market, go and visit it um, multiple times before you sign up, before uh, before you inquire, be a customer talk to the vendors. Don't let them know that you're thinking about, uh, the, I mean, you can, if you want, but it's, uh, it's nice to just be a customer and talk to them about the market. What do you think about the market? How is, how is, uh, how is the traffic flow? Um, observe what's going around, going on around you. Talk to the market manager and ask them what their average, uh, headcount through the market is. If they're a decent market manager, they're going to know. They're going to be able to tell you uh, an approximation of how many um, how many people are going to go by your booth on a on an average market day. That is information you're going to use to kind of extrapolate out how much business you're going to be able to do. If people if they tell you, oh, we get uh, uh, forty people in four hours, really think about. You're not going to sell to everybody. Well, if you got cookies or, or bread, you might. But uh, if you have vegetables, you're probably not going to sell to anybody or everybody. So really understand how many people it's going to take to sell your product and uh, and get that information. Sit around, go shopping at the market and really observe and talk to the people. See if it's the type of people that you want to be with. See if it's the type of products you want to have around you. Is it bringing the right clientele in? Uh, like James says, craft fair versus farmer's market. Do you really, do you want your, your fresh vegetables uh, in between a couple of basket makers? You don't know. And James says, find out if your product is needed at that market. Yes, that's, that was the other thing. Is it needed? And is it, um, is it needed there? And if it's not there, is there a reason it's not there? Did somebody already try it? Um <coughs> Talk to people, talk to people, find out the, find out the questions you want. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of times not coming off as someone that, that is a vendor wants to be a vendor can get you a lot more honest information. So think about that. Think about that. Um, as far as, as when we were selling products, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to the people. Um, it got frustrating that people, we, we said hi to everyone. We said hi to everyone that walked by, um, smile and a hi that didn't matter if they, they wanted our product or not. They were, um, everybody <laughs> don't compete with the established people. <laughs> that is a good idea. Um, everybody that walked by a smile and a hello. Um, it was frustrating to, that people wouldn't try vegetables. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing to me. Uh, we we struggled and struggled and went through loopholes on how to, to give out samples of our product. Uh, we knew that microgreens weren't a very familiar product to a lot of the people that were at these markets. When you started talking to them and they just had a blank look on their face, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you got to educate them. We also wanted to give them samples to try. It was impossible to get people to try to try vegetables. I shouldn't say everybody. 
the people that were there that ended up buying them were the people that were eager to try them. Uh, and, and oddly it was easier almost to get kids to try your samples than adults. <laughs> hey, little kid, do you want some microgreens? Um, they were, they were more interested in trying it. And I think on, uh, on more than one occasion, we had children of people that wouldn't try samples convince their parents to buy product from us. It, uh, it was kind of baffling to me. Uh, once you could, once we could get people to try it, once people get people to taste it, we made customers, we made repeat customers. We saw the same people coming back every week that would eventually, that would try the product, but getting people to try something new is the most difficult thing, uh, that we ran into at that market. I think you have any other frustrations at the farmer's market? <laughs> Corey didn't cause Corey just really isn't a people person. She uh, she went out outside her comfort zone for sure doing it, and um, she did a great job. She did a great job. Uh, she definitely uh, she definitely worked hard at it, at, and did a and did a really good job. Um, what else? What else do I have? Um, you know that's that's pretty much it on my list. Uh, was I glad I did it? Yes, I am very glad I had the experience. Would I do it again? Probably not um, because our motives have changed. Uh, anything that we're going to be growing or producing is going to be for us, uh, probably at a lower, uh, a smaller scale, especially if we're going to still be traveling. Uh, even if we do settle down and we don't plan to travel anymore, I think we have come to the understanding that we want to do things for us more uh, and whatever little surplus wouldn't be enough to uh to to warrant trying to sell it at a farmer's market could things change maybe maybe um was it a net positive for us not at that time not at that time um gingerbread says everyone brings their kids but nobody targets them Wyatt sold make your own slime and every kid was there. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, the kids are, uh, the kids are very open to talking to people because no one's paying attention to them. It seems like, uh, most of the kids that, that, that I saw at these were kind of tagging along. Uh, there were some that were very interactive with mom, maybe doing shopping or mom or dad, maybe doing shopping to make a meal or something, but it seemed like they were just bringing the kids along. Like James says, everybody brings their kids. Um, and none of the vendors. I like talking to kids. They're they're open to talking to people, and uh, they're not dicks usually <laughs> when you talk to them. Um, yeah, I don't think we would do it again. What's up? Oh yeah, that is true. Corey brings up a great point about the small town markets and even um, significant distance between them. All the same to go to all the same, all the different markets, all the small town markets in the area. We saw um, we saw a core group of vendors going to them all. And then each one had their uh, their their different ones that would be sprinkled in at the, the individual markets. But it seemed like the you saw the same uh, main vendors at all of them. And that was us, too. I mean, we went we were going to them with them also. and. Uh, yeah, it gets really clicky. It gets very clicky. So if you had if you had somebody that was going to three or four markets in the area, and you're set up with next to them at uh, at one particular market, and someone else that doesn't frequent all four of those almost feels like an outsider uh, because you just you just saw it, and it it, it kind of happens naturally. You know, you just you just saw them Thursday, Friday, and now Saturday uh, right in a row, and the new guy is there, and um, yeah, you don't you're pushing him out. You're pushing them out. So other than that, guys, um, like I said, make sure it's right for you, uh, before you get in too deep, um, check it out, do your due diligence, make sure the market that you're, uh, that you're going to is going to be worth the, the juice is going to be worth the squeeze. And it might be an awesome venture. It might be an awesome, um, an awesome experience. I know plenty of people that do really good at them that really enjoy them and wouldn't ever stop. And um, it just wasn't right for us. And it might have been the time. It might have been the motivation or whatever. I, 
it was what it was. And I think that is, has changed our opinion on them. So anyway, um, that's all I got for today. We're coming up here in an hour and uh, I'm going to wrap it up. So if you would like to participate in the live comments for the show, you can always join the live recording Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Central on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find links to all my social media services I offer, recommended products, and companies I'm affiliated with at thelotsproject.com. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys. Get through that Monday. Hope nobody has a case of the Mondays. If you do, just make it through. Take a little nap tonight, and we will see you tomorrow morning.